Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc slash soap. Right here, then we'll jump into uh, the word of the day. So, Father, we just thank you for this incredible day that begins with suffering and pain and sorrow. But, Father, we know that on Sunday we we celebrate that Jesus is alive, Jesus is risen. So, Father, now as we look into your word, would you um, bring us insight? Would you bring us wisdom? Would you just teach us from your word this morning? We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So it's it's always a little intimidating when you have to um, look at the crucifixion story on Good Friday. But I think there's, there's some incredible truths we can learn this morning. So let me go ahead and read for us. So we're in um, John 19. John 19, 16 through 27. Finally, and actually, so before I go into this, um, we're right in the middle of this chapter 19. So before this, we have the sentencing. Um, After this, we have Jesus' death and um, burial. So we are kind of right in the middle of the story here. So it starts in 16, it says, Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him. And with him, two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read the sign. For the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priest of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews. At that, this man claimed, to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four squares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said, to one another, let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Sorry, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple 
whom he loved standing nearby, he said to a woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. So um, let me just bring up my notes here. Okay. Let me get back. Okay. So if we go back to the top, one of the first statements is, you know, Jesus is carrying his own cross. He went to the place of the skull uh, where they crucified him. Now, in Roman custom, you know, those that were... Um, sentence typically carried um, their crosses. Now, I think it's worthwhile taking a moment just to talk about um, what they actually did to Jesus here. And quick note, if you guys are on, just make sure you're muted. I'm hearing some other people in the background there. Um, so, the Persians invented um, crucifixion and the Romans, you could say they perfected it and made it an institution. And crucifixion was a form of execution that was reserved for the worst criminals and the lowest classes. And crucifixion was designed um, to and slowly with great pain and humiliation. Let me just check the... I'm just going to mute some of you guys here. Okay, that's better. So, crucifixion was meant to be terrible as it was. And this was the form of death that God ordained for Jesus to die and the death that he submitted to. Um, and so... We just need to remember that this was horrendous. And it was actually crucifixion was actually so bad in those days that there was a Roman statesman that said um, it is a crime to bind a Roman to, uh, to bind a Roman citizen. To scourge him is an act of wickedness. To execute him is almost murder. What shall I say of crucifying him? An act so abominable, it is impossible to find any word adequately to express. So all that being said, um, we just need to recognize that this was quite a horrific, horrendous um, situation. Um, the worst way that you could die. Now, you'll notice that the gospel writers um, do not give a detailed explanation of crucifixion. There's probably several reasons for this. Um, you know, at the time they were familiar with it, so probably didn't need ex any explanation. But I think they also did not want to manipulate our emotions. They just wanted to tell the story. And what's more important than the actual crucifixion itself is the the physical suffering and the inward and spiritual suffering that Jesus went through. Um, I think that's what the writers really want us to focus on versus the actual physical thing that happened. Now, it goes on to say um, there were two others with him. And notice in John, it doesn't say 
um, thieves or it just says two others with him. Um, there were three scheduled for execution, the two others and Barabbas, but Jesus takes the place of Barabbas. Now, we can start to see how Jesus is identifying with sinners in his death with his two criminals um, that are with him and the representation of all of us in this case. So I think we need to pause here and take a moment to really understand what God did and began to do on Good Friday. Now, we know that the story, you know, starts with death and it leads to resurrection, right? We celebrate that. But let's fully understand the deep intentionality um, of God's love for us, that he actually orchestrated this event um, to save humanity. So a couple of points I want to highlight here. So the first one is, you know, Good Friday happened because... You know, we are sinful people, right? We were born into um, the generational curse of sin, right? It affects everyone. Um, nobody's excluded. So we're all born into sin. Um, number two, we, what we know about God is that God is holy, and a holy God cannot behold sin. So we have a major problem. Um, a sacrifice was required to redeem us, to satisfy to satisfy God's wrath against us. Romans 3, 25 says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. So we need Jesus to be the sacrifice for us. So Jesus becomes the covering, right? He becomes the atonement for sin. And let's not forget that nobody else could do this, right? Um, if a holy God needs atonement for sin, remember way back, you know, sacrifices were made, animals were slaughtered, but God knew that ultimately um, it had to be, um, he had to give of himself, which was his son, Jesus. So God was the only one that could satisfy um, the atonement that needed to happen for us. And so let's not forget that on this Good Friday. Um, why did we need all this to happen? Well, because we needed to be saved from sin. And what does it lead to? It leads to a life everlasting, right? A life empowered by the Holy Spirit. So let's not forget that. God did something incredible for us that began on this Good Friday. Now, there may be someone listening to this today, uh, tomorrow, next week, I don't know when, and it may not be Good Friday when you listen to this, but I want to encourage um, maybe there's one person today that's never said yes to Jesus, that this Good Friday does not have significance for yet. And I just want to encourage you to not miss what Jesus did on the cross for you. God loved you so much that he said, I'm going to give you my son, my only son, and so that you can have life everlasting. So don't miss this free gift that can change your life. 
um, this gift is for everyone. It's for you. It's as simple as saying yes to Jesus, right? And I think most of the people that I can see on this call have done that before. But let's not assume that everyone has, and let's not miss the incredible gift that God has for us. Amen. All right. So let's go on. Um, around verse 9, it says, Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read the sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. Um, the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be king of the Jews. Now, um, Pilate had put this title on top and so that everyone could see the reason. Now, in those days, it was pretty common to write the crime of the person being crucified on a sign. Um, and then so the charge would be there. Um, he also wrote... Um, that he well, he also wrote King King of the Jews, right? Now, the fact that Pilate writes that is just a notification that even in his death, um, Jesus was being identified with being humble. Um, even in in his death, Jesus is recognized as a king, right? Now we know in in modern times, if a king dies, it just means another king is coming up, right? So recently we had. Um, King Charles, you know, come into, I don't know, I don't even know how to, is it a reign? Does he reign? I don't know. King Charles was recently brought up, right, because of the death of um, the queen. But in this case, you know, Jesus's death proclaims him as king to the whole world, right, through his death. Now, the title is also a proper justification of the sinless nature of Jesus. So on either side of him were criminals with descriptions of their crimes. And on Jesus' cross, it simply described who he was because there was no crime, right? He was sinless. It was true. Jesus is the king of the Jews. Boy, he's the king of all of us. Now, The sign was written in a few languages, right, in um, Aramaic, Greek, and Latin. And again, this just tells us that this prophecy that was being fulfilled is for everyone. So think about Aramaic, right? The locals spoke that language. So the locals could see it. It was written in Greek, right? So it was the basically the language of the Eastern Mediterranean at the time. So we got the locals, we got the, the larger environment, and then Latin, which is the language for the officials. So it was intended as a global message. You know, Jesus is the king of the Jews. And the religious leaders, of course, objected because they, they of course, did not believe that. But Pilate was making the statement, and he had the courage to stand up and say, you know, despite everything that's going on, he makes the statement, um, I will not alter what I've written. And there was actually laws in those days that 
once the sentence was written or pronounced, it couldn't be changed. So Pilate actually says, I can't change what I wrote, but I wrote what I wrote. He is the king of the Jews. So a little bit of application here. We can recognize that Pilate knows that there's something special about Jesus. He could have stopped these proceedings, but I think deep down Pilate knew that God was doing something incredible. And we all know that this was God's plan. It could not be stopped. But we need to recognize that I believe Pilate had some kind of change of heart and he recognized who Jesus was. Um, John 19, 13 to 24. You know, again, we see some fulfillment of prophecy here. Uh, when they take his clothes and they divide it into four squares so they each get something. Um, <laughs> the remaining garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. <laughs> Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. So again, we have prophecy that's been fulfilled here. Um, And literally, Jesus gives up everything, right? He is at the bottom. You know, he's all the way at the bottom. Yeah, he's given up everything, even his last bit of clothing, becoming completely poor for us that we might become completely rich in him. I mean, this is an incredible scene, right? Jesus literally gives up everything, including his clothes. Um, 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, uh, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. So incredible image of what Jesus is doing for us in the selfless act of giving up his life. Um, you know, his garment, the tunic, just, it reminds us that he is our, our high priest, Exodus 28, 31 and 32 tells us um, that the high priest wore a seamless garment. So we have another reference here to Jesus, who is our high priest. Um, Psalm 22, 18. So when they say, let's not tear it, uh, let's decide by lot who will get it. Um, unknowingly, they were fulfilling another prophecy, uh, which is Psalm 22, 18. Um, as the Son of God died, when the sins of the world, men carelessly laughed and played games at his feet. Uh, Psalm 22, 18 says, they divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. So again, we see prophecy being fulfilled. So it's not just a death. It's not just the proclamation of our king. It is... Um, Countless prophecies that have been fulfilled in this moment. Okay. Now, did you guys notice how John does not use his own name as he writes? And specifically towards the end, he says, um, let me just go back to the verse here. Um So, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, 
and a disciple who he loves standing nearby. So John is writing about himself, and he does not draw attention to himself many times, right? Because he's the writer of this account. And so he refers to himself um, as a disciple whom Jesus loved. And so he's not trying to bring attention to himself. But I find, I think that's really interesting how he writes about himself in this instance. Now, Jesus says, here is your mother. Well, it starts out by saying, woman, here is your son, and here is your mother. And so there's a lot of um, things that are said and unsaid in this moment. Um, Jesus is leaving um, the earthly realm at that moment. And he's saying to John, hey, John, take care of uh, my mother. Now, we know that Mary suffered tremendously, right? And if you consider, remember the time when Mary and Joseph took their newborn son to the temple? There was a godly named man named Simeon who took Jesus in his arms. He blessed the baby. But he also said, uh, yet he also said this, this is from Luke 2.35. He said this to Mary, um, so that the thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your soul too. And so Simeon knew of some of the suffering and um, agony that would come to Mary um, specifically at this time. And so we're reminded of just the incredible suffering, not only of Jesus, but of the people around him. And so um, Jesus says, take care of my mother. And uh, from that time on, you know, the disciple took her into his arm. Again, he talks about the disciple. And so there's a lot of maybes around this, this um, statement. You know, why does Jesus say this to John if his brother, brothers, sisters are nearby? And we know that Jesus had many other half-brothers and sisters. Uh, Matthew 13, 55, 56 specifically mentions that. But um, here's a few maybes. So maybe Jesus did this to emphasize that our relationships in him and in the kingdom are possibly more important than those by blood, right? You know, when we are connected through the saving grace of Jesus. There's just something about that as the body of Christ. Um, maybe Jesus did this to honor uh, the one disciple who was courageous enough that we know of to stand and be present at the crucifixion, right? We know John was there. Uh, maybe Jesus did this because it's possible his siblings did not follow him. Um, like the disciples, we don't know for sure. Um, Maybe Jesus knew that John was the only disciple who would outlive um, all the others, right? The only disciple who would die a natural death. So there's a lot of maybes here. And maybe Jesus did this out of simple wisdom and foresight. So it doesn't really matter. But I think he's just reminding us that, you know, we as the community um, of believers, we as the capital C church, in the same way as Jesus instructs, you know, Mary and John to care for each other, that they are family. I think he's just reminding us that 
you know, we have a family that is established through Jesus' death. Um, everyone on this call, you know, my brother Doug, and I'm just looking at some of the names on the list here, right? Lynetta and Maureen and Nancy, we are all connected through what Jesus did. And, and we have a responsibility um, to care for each other, to invest in each other, to hold each other accountable. So I want to just um, take a moment to not, let's not forget the significance of today. Let's not forget the um, significance of the victory over death and sin that begins on Good Friday. And so I think I want to ask us to be just, um, let's just take a moment and I'm going to be, be quiet for a little bit. And let's take a moment to repent of our sin and recognize the gift that God gives us in Jesus. So let's just, I'm going to be silent just for a little while. And in that silent, let's just take a moment to repent and just really recognize this gift that God gives us in Jesus. Okay, thank you, guys. Now, um, one or two final thoughts here. Gift of Jesus is is for us, right? But it's it's meant to be shared. So, I want to challenge you today. You know, who is God placing in your thoughts at this moment, or even in that moment of silence? Um, who is God calling you to pray for, to invite to services? And what is God maybe calling you to repent of this morning today? Because when we don't repent of sin in our lives, we are we are not recognizing the gift of what Jesus did on the cross for us, right? You know, the sacrifice he made was for everything. And if we we resist by holding on to sin, we are not bringing honor to what Jesus did for us on the cross. So let's really um, take a moment today on this on this sacred solemn day just to recognize and um, give up those things we need to give up, but also to remember that this gift is for everyone and who uh, is God calling us to either pray for or invite to services this weekend. So I want to thank you guys for joining us today. Um, a little bit of a different feel when we when we discuss uh, the crucifixion but let's not forget the incredible gift um, that God gave us and the things that he wants to teach us um, through his death but also in his resurrection and um, forward to seeing you this weekend and um, looking forward to Sunday as we celebrate together but let's not remember the incredible incredible things that God has done and just the the true significance of Jesus' death on the cross and how much God um, gave up but also how much he loves us. So let's pray. Thank you guys for being with us today. Uh, Father, we thank you for this incredible gift. Uh, it's hard to explain or put words to what you've done for us, the incredible love for us there. 
you would give yourself for us. Father, we are so thankful. And Father, we pray that today we would remember what you have done. And in that memory, Father, that we would um, have courage to give up the things that hold us back, to give up the things that uh, you would consider sin on this day. And so, Father, we we think of this gift and we think of those that uh, may not have received this gift yet. So, Father, we, we pray for wisdom and boldness um, to invite, to pray for, to intercede for those who um, still want or have not um, experienced the, the freedom that comes through knowing you. So, Father, we just commit ourselves to you. We commit our families to you and everything we are. And we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for your sacrifice that we might have life and have it to the full. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. I will see you tonight.